Hello, and welcome to Book City Roanoke. I'm Douglas Jackson, and today for episode four of season two, I'm pleased to have my friend Catherine Devine with me. Catherine's a local artist in Roanoke, but before we start the conversation, I want to talk a little bit about the podcast and, and what we do here with Book City Roanoke. Book City Roanoke is an exploration of our things literary, um, and we're looking at uh, equity and engagement at the intersection of books and place. And you can find information about Book City Roanoke at the website, bookcityroanoke.com. The podcast is brought to you by our founding sponsor, Book No Further. Book No Further's Roanoke's independent bookstore down on the historic city market, and they've been putting ideas in your head since 2017. This season, we're focused on the theme of the next chapter, books, writing, and the personal renaissance. So, Catherine, um, we're going to find out more about you, uh, so I won't do a, a long introduction, but I want to ask you first, right from the start, what came to mind when I mentioned that theme to you? Uh, I think this was a perfect theme for me in that as a working artist, my idea of who I am and what I do has been a constant transformation from childhood of being given a lot of accolades of being talented to the struggle of being a working art artist trying to make a living. What does the society think artists do and what works for me in this town of Roanoke. So it was easy to to get lost in this thought. So how long have you been uh, working as an artist in Roanoke? I've been in Roanoke since probably about 1996. It was not intentional to plan to stay for the long term. It was um, a good place to have a headquarters when I was traveling and doing art shows. So Roanoke was kind of halfway up the East Coast. And we had friends in the community that were artists, so it just was an easy place to to visit, and we continued to find a lot of charm here. Mm -hmm. And tell me about how um, you, because this is your full-time gig, you are a full-time working artist. How did, how, did, how did you first start to structure that? Well, I think I started out actually just making and creating, and also it's been a ups and downs. In art school, I was determined to make a living so I started out doing graphic design because that's what everyone said is what an artist does that is not independently wealthy or has a trust fund you know you, you got to do something that people want but my teachers were like you are not cut out for this you should be an artist and make your work sell your work but as a younger person I didn't have that confidence so I had a really interesting phase also of really wondering if I wanted to make art for other people's homes or what really made sense to me. So for a period of time, I kind of dropped out of being an artist and decided I was just going to make things out of natural materials. So that's really why I, I'm happy to be able to talk to you today because almost by choosing not to be an artist and then listening and hearing an artist in Roanoke that was uh, talking at the art museum named Susie Gavlick. She explains how there was a whole movement of artists who were doing exactly the thing that I was doing. So even by trying to not be an artist, I was still <laughs> doing it. So. Well, let's talk a little bit about your creative process and the role that reading plays. Uh, that's actually really 
more important to me in some ways. The visual art is, it really is something that comes pretty easy to me. And I feel grateful I had good education and I did have, you know, an undergraduate degree in visual arts. Writing and reading is really how I make decisions about my life. And journaling has been a big part of my life. So that is actually how I think I make sense of things myself. So it's become... It's not the obvious part of me, but it's a big part of my own making sense of things and making plans. Well, let's talk a little bit about, and, and I know um, as, an, as an artist, you're constantly experimenting and trying new ideas and transforming. Are there, are there some books that, have, that come to mind at certain shifts in your creativity. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, but I knew we only had a, sh- a short amount of time, so I wanted to just kind of stay on topic and mentioned I mentioned Susie Gablick, and she's an artist that I was not aware of till she talked at the Art Museum when it was in Center in the Square, you know, many years ago, and her talk was called The Reenchantment of Art. And what I found was that her observation of culture and art at the time really dovetailed with my experience of artists who wanted to do things that put them in their community and not out of it in a more elitist museum kind of gallery level. And that was really what appealed to me. So that book, The Reenchantment of Art, was a real uh, touchstone for me. Great. Well, with with all of um, the interviews, anytime we mention a book, we'll put it we'll put it on the blog post that's associated with this podcast as well. So thank you. We'll, we'll add that to it. When I think about working artists and artists in the community, uh, I think of you. And uh, I can remember before the 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 Talman was in where they are. Well, when it, well the the uh, Western Virginia Museum, Art Museum of Western Virginia. Am yes. I getting the name right? Yeah. Um, when it was over in Center of the Square, I can remember even back then um, seeing you. I had a little brother through Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and you painted his face. And I think I have a picture here some somewhere of it, but I, I didn't know you then. Yeah. But you've always been, um, since I've been here in Roanoke over 15 years, out there in the community, using your art in the community. Yeah, it's been actually very sweet, unexpected, you know, like many things in life, what you think you're going to do and what happens instead. And I just started doing face painting for kids when I had kids of my own. And it was just a sweet thing to do. And it has definitely been, I have had many people come up to me and say, you know, how much that meant to them as little kids. And they, and I feel very connected. Obviously, you're literally touching people and bringing some joy. So that was a really um, unexpected but delightful way of being a working artist in Roanoke. Mm-hmm. So that even the identity of an, or what it means to be an artist, that book helped shift that in, in your mind. Yes, and it definitely gave me, I think it is tricky, you know, to feel confident about yourself as a working artist. I feel very fortunate also for a period of time in Roanoke, I chose to go to graduate school at Hollins. And that was a nice affirmation for different ways of being a working artist. And I do really appreciate the insight from my experience there with the faculty of pointing out to me that 
teaching could be a path for me. So that was really never on my agenda till I went to Holland. So that's been a really um, wonderful part of my life also. Great. And you really have, wow, I wonder how, if you can even estimate how many young people uh, you've worked with in in that setting. Oh, yeah, that has been, I mean, I've worked for a period of time teaching gifted art with Roanoke County, and I've, I've definitely worked with the Art Museum and other institutions, and I've been a guest artist at a lot of special events. So I have definitely hung out with quite a few under 12-year-olds. Great. What's another book that's that's played a role in how you see your work in the community and as an artist? Well, I, I don't know. I feel like now that I make, I'm feeling like more my reading and thinking really hasn't so much focused on how to be an artist or how to. Well, now that you make me think about it, there's tons of them. Honestly, there's a really good book called "I Just Like to Make Things." which I like. And then, you know, once I start thinking about it, I have bookshelves. My actual, I was just like telling you, I'm never going to sell another book because then as soon as I think about it, I'm like, where's that book? I want to have that book again. Reading and thinking about just life in general informs my art. It's not so much like how to be an artist or what other artists have found works for them. Well, if people are looking for something to read to inform their lives, um, I recommend heading down to Roanoke's Historic City Market to visit with Dolores Best at Book No Further. Uh, And she has both used books and new books. And uh, you can always strike up a good conversation while you're there. And I'm Douglas Jackson. I'm here with Catherine Devine uh, on the podcast for Book City Roanoke. So, Catherine, you've got a couple of books there with you. what do you what do you what's what do you have okay i like i did try not to overwhelm you with my many many choices so i really did feel very fortunate to have learned of the work of Susie Gatlick. she would probably be my number one as far as like working looking at culture looking at the world we're living in currently her work as beginning as an art critic and then growing through her life really looking at how art affects our lives continue. And she inspires me because these were big ideas at the time when she started talking about artists that were doing environmental art and cleaning rivers or interacting with sanitation crews. Talking about that wasn't what other people were doing, but it's what really inspired her. And so hearing about that really inspired me. So, And it's a nice coincidence or just a wonderful um, part of my life now is that we have gotten to become friends and she lives in the Blacksburg area. So we have a continued friendship, which I feel really fortunate about. So that's the book I brought to talk to you is called Living the Magical Life. So this is another brave move on Susie's part. where, having already been established as an art critic. She went in a completely different direction and wrote a memoir. And a memoir that really explores her inner world and her own grasp, grasping at what is our path? How do you define your path? How do you know when you're on the right path? So all of those very uncertain questions she explores in this book. Great. Just the way you phrase that, how you're sure you're on the right path. I just... 
it's a constant question with me. I feel like I need to pick up that book and, and read it, read it right now. And I, and, and I had to reach out and grab the book from Catherine because, um, I'm that way. I want to, I want to have a book in my hand and touch it. I like the artifact of, of a book. And this is a gorgeous book with a gorgeous cover. Um, and it's, it, and it's under women's spirituality and autobiography, but I'm kind of, I'll, I'll get a lot out of this as a man, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think anybody who's like really trying to sort out and it's just called living the magical life. And she does include a lot of autobiography for her path, how she came to be, but she continues to be um, a mentor to me and continuing to explore her life as it continues to change and evolve. Great. What else do you have? Well, my other book I just grabbed because it's kind of the opposite. And this is called Living with a Wild God by Barbara Ehrenreich. Do you remember her? Yeah. And I, I remember reading Nickled and Dime. Right, right. So the name leaped out at me and I thought I would give it a read. And it is kind of an interesting opposite of Susie's in the way that she isn't drawn to spirituality, but also really feels the need to find something that is meaningful to her. So she kind of looks at it, that spiritual path from a kind of skeptic's point of view. Mm -hmm. But she also has experiences that seem to broaden her idea of what's possible. Okay. Great. And so is that a memoir? Yeah, it's also a a memoir. In a very tight period of time in her life? Well, the subtitle, A Non-Believer's Search for the Truth About Everything. So that tells you everything. So it's kind of like a review of her life, a memoir, but also how she comes to terms with things that maybe weren't so easy to understand as a younger person. Mm-hmm. G- great. Now, what is what is reading memoir uh, do for you? Well, it's, that's funny that I've seen my choices of reading change over my life. I think... Younger as a younger person, fiction and things that were imaginative were really rich explorations of descriptions and ways of you know experiencing life from another point of view. Mm-hmm. Which fiction had played a big role in my own you know, young life, but I think as an older person now, I'm really interested in more the examples of other people how they came to terms with things, their ups and downs. So I think memoir has become a real fascination. And I have a whole row of them. I could have brought Tina Fey or I think the other thing, when I was thinking about what I would talk about with you, that is probably the other area. So I have artists whose work I respect, writers whose explorations I find very well done. But I think my other list of art of people on my bookshelf of memoir are comedians and people who make us laugh Uh, and I think they have something to teach us too yeah how how do you see laughter in the world oh I definitely feel like we have um and it's a gift you know I think it's like it's like a medicine for us to be able to look at our own experiences and find some way to find the humor in them and sometimes it's hard to do when you're in the middle of it so reading memoir from people like 
I'm, not, I'm trying to think of them all now, but they, I have a whole row. It seems like I'm drawn to even people whose lives maybe we think of as being full of joy and jolliness. Mm-hmm. We realize that they've had a lot of difficulties, that somehow humor has been part of how they processed and somehow came out. Maybe not on top, but at least able to still make us laugh. Yeah, that, that's really powerful. I'm thinking of some autobiographies and, and, and memoirs that I've read that uh, where that struggle is um, really enlightening to um, see that person in a different light, uh, to see their their body of work uh, in with that lens. Um, it helps us, you know, and it's, you know, it, of course, it's got to be kind of secondary to the work in a way. So if it's a musician or it's an artist, you want to appreciate the work as itself. But then you learn about their their struggles and... and, and, and it makes them more human. Yeah. It makes you yeah. have more of a sense of connection. And yeah. I think that's probably, if I could say, what art can do and what I want to be part of having art do is it connects us Mm -hmm. and I think there's sometimes you do stuff that isn't meant to be shared it's private it's something that you're processing or working through but there's also a really wonderful history of art being that one thing that can bring people together Mm -hmm. so that's kind of like what what intrigues me yeah and and humor too that's that that's that's that real (laughs) uh, visceral connection point yeah i think for for artists the uber could be really good for not taking yourself too seriously yeah you know just being lighthearted and doing fun stuff and working with kids has certainly brought a lot of humor to my studio (laughs) to my life so yeah they don't take themselves seriously and that really helps a lot yeah you take the work seriously but not yourself seriously Mm mm-hmm and it's a it's such a barrier if you take yourself too seriously to let your work uh, progress and grow. I mean, if you take yourself real seriously, you may not even want to put it out in front of anybody. Well, and I think know? that was the mixed message that I definitely got. And if I was, if I since I have this opportunity, as a young woman in art school, we studied the art of men, and I just assumed that I was this unusual creature that wanted to do art but also have kids and have a normal life and and was a nurturing person and I wasn't willing to just drop that whole part of what it means to be a human to mm-hmm. pursue this solitary path of suffering to mm-hmm. be an artist so I think I'm really grateful to be part of the wave of people who are rejecting that and learning that there's a history of women who have done fabulous art that just wasn't what we were taught mm-hmm. and now we need to kind of back up and learn about that too yeah and I'm, I'm picturing your bookshelf now and this this shelf long line of elders uh who's who are speaking to you through these books and that's one power of, of reading and you know getting that internal sense of people um we don't necessarily have the the guides in telling us how to live um we see one way of being works especially you know culturally we're we're told this is the way you shape your life but there are so many ways to shape your life yeah and i think it's very interesting that artists have somehow branded ourselves in a pretty narrow way and we could be more creative in the way that we see ourselves outside of just this is what you do and when you talk about elders reaching us 
the other person most recently, I think that has had a big impact and actually meeting people and then reading their work really makes it even more profound. And I got to uh, hear Bell Hooks mm-hmm. and then I knew of her work, but that inspired me to really research and learn more about her perspective, which was very timely for what we are all experiencing currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we were really fortunate to have her in the community. Is that on that many residencies she did it? Yeah, I mean, at Hollands. Hollands. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, what do you see for yourself in the coming or at the start of twenty twenty? What do you see for yourself in the coming year? Work wise, yeah, work wise, oh. personally, how? But yeah, but what do you, you know? And I, I, I feel like we're always. Um, there's a there's a blend it crosses it crosses over yeah i appreciate you sharing that because it really is hard for me to sort out my life and even as a i remember being going to a talk about how to sell your artwork and it was like on this day you invite your clients and on this day you invite your friends and family to your (laughs) openings and i'm like i could never do that i couldn't sort out who's who you know and as far as like what i'm excited about work-wise is currently doing another sculpture that will be installed at Mill Mountain Zoo. Mm -hmm. And the focus was perfect for me, which is something that I've been pursuing for a long time from my early years of wanting to make art out of things that were biodegradable, that were not going to add to the burden of the landfills. Now I have the other um, approach, which is using the materials before they get to the landfill. So I'm been I am designing a sculpture that will be made out of re, out of recycled plastics. So that's kind of like the idea is to learn how to use these things that exist as art materials. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about that. Oh, terrific. That yeah. sounds, sounds like a great, great project. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's very interesting and it's cool because it's not like there's a manual that says these are how you do it you've got to really be creative and like how am I going to use these Mountain Dew bottles you know so I'm excited about that and, and as much as we talk about books and the wisdom we look for in them there is no manual for anything really for life uh, we've got to we've got to explore and piece it together and, and, and shape a life that works for us yeah I think that's why I, and I, I, my, I think my experience has been instead of saying I made the mistake or that was wrong I have been reframing a lot of my own life by think by thinking, and I, I learned this from another a writer, where her basically her motto is, "I thought this was going to happen, but this is what happened instead." Yeah. So it's like a little bit more like following the path, but not necessarily feeling bad or wrong if it doesn't go as you thought it was going to go. That's wisdom for us to end the episode on. Thank you, Catherine, for spending some time today. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, I've I've enjoyed this. And I'm Douglas Jackson. This is Book City, Roanoke. Uh, Stay tuned for our next episode, which will be with Ashley Fellers, a Roanoke writer, author, who is currently uh, transforming. And we're going to hear about that. Uh, Thank you for spending time with us today, and we'll see you next time.